the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. My next guest, first time I heard his name was 1984. It was a book he had written. By my count, he's written 28 books since then. He's not only an author, he's a filmmaker. I've had the pleasure of meeting him at Freedom Summit in Chicago, and then again at his movie premiere at Mar-a-Lago called 2,000 Mules, where I'm quite sure I made an impression on him. His new documentary slash movie is called Police State. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. When I listen to this and when I think of Dinesh D'Souza, I think of so, so many thought-provoking books he wrote. But one of my favorites is called Stealing America. He made an impression on me. He continues to do so. He is the definition of an American philosopher and patriot. He is Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Now, I didn't get my invitation to this uh, screening, but I'm uh, right across Florida, so I'm going to drive over and crash it. I hope you don't mind. But I cannot wait, and I'm wondering, is it going to be as impactful as 2,000 Mules, which I think still has so many topics that haven't been addressed. But this was you were kind of made for this, weren't you? After all, you're the victim of political persecution. Well, I did have my campaign finance case going back to 2013, but I have to confess that I saw it as a kind of a isolated incident or a one-off. In other words, I'd made this film about Obama. I know he's a petty, vindictive narcissist, so I thought, you know, it upset him. He decided to strike back at me. But what I didn't see was that my case would be a kind of precursor or prelude to what would happen later to Carter Page, Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, uh, Donald Trump. In other words, we have seen a rapid escalation of the police state just in the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think I could have made this film even three or four years ago. If I said police state, people would think I was talking about North Korea or Cuba or someplace, not the United States of America. But what we've lived through over the last three years, I I find it almost impossible for anyone to have an argument with you. When you uh, take a look at the the government's reaction, overreaction, but more upsetting, the comfortable nature of American government to act as a fascistic totalitarian regime in these Democrat hubs of which that produced such people as Obama. That's the part that I find startling. So were you able to uh, offset it with some of the states that resisted the American version of uh, the Soviet system? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I tell the full story, and it's uh, in, in the origin, the police state is a bipartisan story because its roots go back to the aftermath of 9-11, when many people, you know, me included, said, okay, we got to give the government these enhanced surveillance powers and all these other powers given to the police agencies of the government. But of course, it was with the intention of targeting foreign terrorists who were out to kill us. We mean, people like these Hamas attackers, for example. But clearly, U.S. intelligence has not been focusing on people like that. They've been focusing on domestic political opponents. And, uh, you know, if you look at the classic features of police states around the world, I mean, North Korea, China, Iran, um, Venezuela, or even the old Soviet Union, you see that all the key defining elements are now present in America. I mean, what are those? Mass surveillance of citizens, systematic censorship, heavy indoctrination, both in schools and universities and in the media. Um, Police states tend to be one-party states, which try to shut down the opposition, lock up the leader of the opposition party, criminalize dissent, go after religious freedom and religious believers, the existence of political prisoners. So, I mean, that's the standard list. There's not a single element that I just mentioned that has not crept into the politics of the United States. And the interesting part is when you said bipartisan, when you really look at the advances of a police state, for lack of a better phrase, when you look at this, it's under Republican rule. The Bush years was the greatest example. But I can't help but remember and play in my mind all of the years that he was made fun of when you think of uh, Ron Paul or when you realize the warnings that were given of what our government bureaucracies were capable of by Frank Gaffney and people like that. So I'm wondering, did that come into the making of your movie? Were you revisiting some of the warnings by people who were heckled in a bipartisan fashion like Ron Paul? Did you touch upon any of that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have Rand Paul in the movie. I don't have Ron Paul, but Rand Paul says, he goes, hey, listen, you know, my dad was one of the first guys who blew the whistle on this and said, you know, do not give the government this kind of power because it will be used and abused and misused against fellow Americans. And that is, of course, exactly what has happened. You know, I came to the country when I was a teenager in 1978 as an exchange student in high school. And, you know, I I contrast the exhilaration I felt when I first saw America, not just the opportunity and the abundance of it, but these basic rights that are enumerated in the Bill of Rights that are not supposed to be open to political negotiation. Majorities are not supposed to be able to cancel out these rights. You have a right to free speech, and it doesn't matter if 95% of people disagree with you, so what? You still have the right to say it. So it's very dismaying to see that the These core rights of the Bill of Rights, right to free speech, right to conscience, right to petition the government for grievances, even equal rights or equal justice under the law, all of these basic rights are now imperiled. Now, the police state in foreign Soviet societies, Marxist societies, communist, whatever you want to call it, the police state really enforces the uh, created oligarchy extortion system where the political whores and pimps control the velocity of money and the the policies of which they're front-running. So they work hand-in-glove. In this movie, do you touch upon these schemes that you have so eloquently in your past books? Do you go into how these police states are protecting the scams as the Arkansas state troopers did with the Clintons? Do you touch upon that? Oh, absolutely. We go into the whole, the bowels of the police state. Look, there are two kinds of people in this movie. One is uh, police state whistleblowers, informants, and people on the inside who know how the police state got started and how it is constructed. 
And the second type of person is ordinary Americans who are just going about their business or they're involved in civic activities, uh, you know, involved in, in protesting at school board meetings, for example, caring about their kids, or they are pro-life activists or some other type of, in any event, they're just going about their normal life and they suddenly come up right up against the police state and they can feel what Orwell once called the boot stamping on the human face. And so I dramatize this in the movie so that people aren't just being told about the police state. They have an experience of what that's like. So now you're going to have private showings, and that's going to be later this month, correct? Well, coming up next week, I mean, October 23rd and 25th, we have bought out hundreds of theaters, and we're selling tickets on our website, which is policestatefilm.net. You cannot get the tickets on Fandango or at the theater. You have to buy them from the website. So policestatefilm.net is the place to go. And then coming up next Friday, not this Friday, but next Friday, October 27th, a virtual premiere where we're doing it out of this fabulous studio in Las Vegas. We play the entire film and then a live Q&A with me and Dan Bongino to follow. And all of that is for the price of a movie ticket. And you can watch at home. So we're giving people a choice. You can go to the theater, which I prefer because I made the film for the theater. But if you can't go to the theater for whatever reason, then watch at home next Friday, October 27th. Now, how difficult was it to make before we know the conclusion of the political persecution we are all witnessing of, ironically, a former Democrat, but a former president? When you see a gag order thrown on him yesterday, when you see the object isn't is to follow this all the way through they will in, in my opinion the democrat mafia will not be happy until donald trump is in prison to some form or another did you take a guess at how it ends well, I don't take a guess at how it ends, but we lay all this out in the movie. I mean, look, this is classic police state thuggery. And, and why do I say that? Because, look, if, if, the, if the prosecutors had said, look, Trump took some classified documents, he should have given them back, he held on to them, he was very stubborn, and so we're filing a single criminal charge against him, we realize this is unprecedented, we would have been like, okay, let's take a look at it. But when you have 90-plus charges in multiple jurisdictions with these Soros prosecutors, it's clearly a shotgun approach. It's like, hey, we can't get him in D.C., all right, let's get him in Florida, let's get him in Georgia, uh, can't get him in Georgia, let's get him in New York, and if we can't get him on the criminal stuff, let's get him for, you know, let's Let's, let's get him on a civil case and ruin all his businesses. I mean, this is so obvious what they're doing. And if any other country had, had done this, we would have been shouting dictatorship, dictatorship. This is a subversion of democracy. Now, every generation, to a certain extent, feels like it's the end of the world during their generation, during their time. However, one thing that feels unique to this time in America is that you feel a complete abandonment of the principles. And it really was captured in the election that I completely believe was stolen in 2020 and the lack of, of consequences from that, the lack of inquisition. So if we've let that go, what, in your opinion, can stop the, the natural progression of fascism, the natural progression of tyranny? Because it's just getting worse, as we see on a daily, on a daily example called the news. So in your opinion, how does it get better? Well, I think the most important thing that needs to happen, and this is the exact reason for me waking, making the movie, 
is to stiffen the spine of the Republican Party and the conservatives and help them to realize that we're not in a normal politics. You know, if you think of the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, you've got Jimmy Stewart, and he's a goofball attorney. And, you know, when you're living in a small town with law and order, you can say things like, you know, I'm not going to go buy a gun. I'm going to rely on my law books. And if something goes wrong, I'm going to call it in. I'm going to make a complaint. But if you, if you go out in a covered wagon out west uh, and you set up a homestead and then there are outlaws surrounding your ranch and they want to burn your homestead and rape your wife and kill your kids. And then you say, they have guns, but I'm not going to go look for my gun. I'm better than that. I'm a man of principle. People would think you're downright insane. And this is exactly the situation facing the Republican Party. There needs to be a, uh, an apprehension of the situation in which the country finds itself. And then I believe we have the resources to block the police state. I'm going to take advantage of having you on the air today because I, I, I really love the way your mind works and I love the, your thought process. And I'm curious to know how you predict the American reaction to what we saw happen in Israel. What you see now, as uh, I like to call him the dimwit in diapers, some call president goes to Israel. But more importantly, we all know through through our history how the American people are susceptible to turn over power to the government in these terrorist activity times in our history. How do you think this will play out in the future? Will America resist it in the proper fashion, or will Americans demand that their abuser become more powerful? Well, with regard to Israel, the first thing to notice is that this was a massive intelligence failure, not just um, on the part of the Israelis, but also on the part of the U.S., because the United States has, has the most heavily funded, and, and with, in an age of technology, you know, an age of, of cell phone monitoring, of surveillance, how is it possible for something like this to go undetected? I mean, a thousand soldiers going through a blockade coming out of the sky, and you don't even know that it's happening? Now, I think the only reason that could be is that none of these guys were actually watching. They were looking someplace else. Where were they looking? I think they were looking at like some 70-year-old grandma who went into the Capitol for 10 minutes on January 6th. So the FBI, the CIA, all these intelligence agencies have been telling the Congress, our main priority is domestic extremism. That's really where the threats are coming from. So think about it. We gave the U.S. government all this power after 9-11 to go after exactly the kind of Hamas terrorists that they apparently have decided to stop watching. Is it possible that there's another reason that it's beneficial to cover up some of the corruption that the American people, both Democrats, people who think themselves old-fashioned Kennedy Democrats, and Trump Republicans were repulsed by in Ukraine? Is it possible? And I'm wondering, I know you don't like to let your mind go in this direction, but I do. I, I let it go in that direction. To me, there are no accidents. After all, when the government wants to surveil you, they know how many times I've, I've, I've Googled Dinesh D'Souza books. But the reality is this kind of so-called slippage often will benefit a government to look like a mistake when in fact it's a great distraction and now we're not talking about the very things we were talking about just eight nine days ago is it possible this was a friend of the corrupt government well you know it these things are possible and i must say that this is not normally a direction my mind would go into but but what we've learned really just over the last three years is that institutions that we have implicitly trusted in the past cannot be trusted. And I'm not just talking about the very 
obvious kind of ideological institutions like the media or even academia or even certain agencies of the government. I'm talking about like the health authority. Whoever thought we'd get a virus <laughs> and then all the people in the white coats would start lying to us about where it came from and what, you know, what the vaccine could and couldn't do. And they would start banning people who challenged the, you know, challenged the truth of the matter. And, the, and it, the critics were actually right. So all of this marshalling of authority in defense of just propaganda and lies has made us open to believing almost, you know, wondering about things that we previously wouldn't wonder about. Dinesh, I have to tell you, uh, I, I, it's, it, I'm so lucky that you came on my show. You are, you are what gives me optimism. You've been in this country since 1978 and have worked tirelessly since then to be an asset. And you have been a tremendous blessing to this country. And immigrants like you are what will save us. It's not going to be the Chicago Democrat who just wants a phony job and a pension. I can't tell you how honored I am, but more importantly, how you bring me solace, a peace of mind, because I know that there's another Dinesh D'Souza around the corner. Thank you so much for your love that of my country. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.